Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome to Faith in the Zone, a show about sports and faith, how the two come together and lives being touched. Right now, discover how people in sports walk in faith with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, and as, as it has been for the last year and some months, I'm flying solo. And again, I look forward to having Pastor Ken Keltner from Brookside, a Baptist church, back in studio with me. You know, today's show, I, look, we have a lot of fun. We goof around on Faith in the Zone, and I will goof around a little bit with our guests, but what we're talking about today is uh, is not something that that I can goof around with. And every once in a while on this show, I have to get outside of my comfort zone. You know, really comfortable when I'm talking to baseball, basketball, football guy, people that, you know, are, are in sports. I, I, if you listen to my stuff, you know, I coached for 36 years, high school basketball here in the Milwaukee market. And with month being with the month of May, um, and it is a mental health awareness month, uh, Mayling Starkey from Rock Church in San Diego, who's just been a godsend to this show and to me, um, reached out and said, hey, do you have any interest in talking to Michelle Madden? And, and she gave me a bunch of information on Michelle. And it took me a minute because I, I, I was like, boy, that's I'm not so comfortable in, in, in talking about what we're going to talk about. And I prayed about it and got a hold of Michelle and said, look, I, well, please come on my show. And I just thank Michelle Madden for coming on. Michelle Madden is a trained chaplain for suicide prevention and support as well. Um, QPR, which is question, persuade, and refer, gatekeeper and trainer. And uh, she is one of the people, and she's the director, I believe, um, or founder of the Aftershock Ministry in, uh, in San Diego at the Rock Church. And she's devoted 25 years to a current education in the San Diego County, and I just want to say thank you and welcome Michelle Madden to the show. Michelle, how are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks, Mike, for having me. Yeah, you bet. Hey, let's talk a little bit about your background, Michelle, and, and I know we're going to get into, you know, some pretty heavy stuff, but let's talk a little bit about your background, where you grew up, where you went to school, things like that. So I grew up in New Jersey. I um, was a sports jock. I played sports my whole life. So I became 18, and um, I was a single mom, and I um, became concentrated on raising my daughter and moved to California and got into education. I had a few odd jobs before I got into education and loved it, and um, that's what I've been doing. Well, I'll tell you, a girl from um, New Jersey going to San Diego, that had to be a little bit of a shock. Oh, yeah, that was a big shock. I moved here my senior year, too. I forgot to mention that. Mm-hmm. So it was a big culture shock for me. 
Oh, it had to be. Yeah. I, I can't imagine. I mean, I, look, I think Milwaukee and Chicago, and they're only about 70 miles apart, but they're two different ends of the spectrum as far as, you know, the the world is concerned. I really believe that. And I would assume that New Jersey and, and San Diego would would uh, would be the same. Yes, absolutely. I was I actually grew up in a very small town, too. So which moving from a small town to a huge area was is a, another change to have to adjust to. But I've adjusted well. So, yeah, you, you have not missed the winters much, huh? No, no. I can honestly say when people are saying it's cold here in San Diego, I go, you know, it could be worse. We could be shoveling snow. Hey, Michelle, you didn't even hesitate on that question, by the way. You you had that answer completely ready to go. And and I've lived in Milwaukee my whole life. And, and uh, I think the older that I get, the the less I enjoy the winters. I'm, I, I don't snowball, I snowmobile. I don't uh, ice fish. I don't do any of that. So I, you know, I go out and snow blow all the snow and I get the roof rake out and all of that. But I'm not sure. I've got two brothers that live in Florida, and I'm not sure that I would want it to be hot all the time either. But my understanding is San Diego is, like, climate-wise, the best place to live in the country. Yeah, because if it snows and I want to visit it, I can go. It's only 20 <laughs> or it's like 40 minutes from my house. I can go spend an hour there, get cold, and get my car and drive home and go, oh, it's so nice here. <laughs> hey, Michelle, what sports did you play when uh, when you were growing up? I played um, softball and soccer. And when you made the move to um, to San Diego, and I don't know how good you were when you were in New Jersey, then you make the move to San Diego. Were you, were you as good um, – a level of player in, in either softball and, and, and soccer as you were when you were in New Jersey? No, I didn't even play when I moved here. I was so, I went, like I said, went from a small town to a big, a big community. I was in such culture shock about what was going on that I just totally, I'm a very outgoing person. I became a very introverted at that time. Wow. I actually decided to graduate early. I was so culture shock struck. Well, I'll tell you, you know, I've lived in, my wife and I both lived in the city of Milwaukee our entire lives. And I, you know what, I, I don't know anything else. But I can tell you right. this, that for the first time, you know, I'm not sure. I've always felt like Milwaukee has kind of been my girlfriend. And I don't think mm-hmm. she likes me so much anymore. And that, that kind of is like for the first time, neither my wife or I, and you'll love this, Michelle, we don't like change much. We started holding hands the day after we graduated from high school in 1977, and we've been holding hands ever since. And we bought one house, and we've been, so neither one of us like change. Well, this last, I don't know, 16 months, I, boy, it's been it's been a train wreck a little bit for us. I think we've, we've adjusted, but boy, oh boy, to... You know, this year you've you've had change every every place, and and we're definitely going to get into that as we talk um, to you about Mental Health Awareness Month, and and I think that what's gone on here in the last, like I said, sixteen months, and I want to really kind of key in on on you know our student athletes, our students at the high school, um, grade school level with you, and and then beyond as we talk about this. And, you know, you're, you're really well-versed in talking to people about suicide loss because that's really hit you uh, on a personal level, correct? Yes, yes. Can... I lost my brother. I lost my brother in 2004, uh, my brother Jamie. And then um, two, 10 days after that, I lost my cousin Chip. Oh, boy. We're, and... and so our family, oh. our family was really involved or enmeshed in that two losses. Boy, I'll tell you, were were they friends? So no, um, my brother, my brother was nine years younger than me. My cousin, who I lost, was nine years older than me, and he was like my big brother growing up. Um, my mom came from a very large family, and um, I have two brothers, and so um, my cousin was like my big brother. He was my mom's sister's son. My mom was. And my aunt was my godmother. So oh. I was there all the time. And so for me, it was like I lost two brothers. Oh, boy. Um, yeah. And so, um, but, you know, the sad part about it was my cousin had said he was going to take his life. 
but he had shared um, that he was going to go talk to pastor. And I thought, well, he'll go talk to pastor. I really had that hope that he would go to talk to pastor and pastor would save his life. Unfortunately, he never made it to that appointment. He did not go see the, he he never made it to see the pastor. Nope. Oh boy. I I don't know um, how, because this hasn't touched my life personally. Um, as far as family, it has with, with some friends and, and friends of friends, but I don't know, mm-hmm. Michelle, how you as a, as a family unit get through something like that. I mean, you, it literally, it, you know, right after you, you have to bury your brother, then you have to do this. And I just, uh, boy, it had to be a very, very difficult time for the family unit that you, that you're in. It was very difficult. You know, everybody grieves differently, first of all. Um, I had another brother who um, just didn't want to talk about it. He was, um, my mom and I could talk. My aunt, my aunt could not talk about it. I immediately got into a support group. I got into a support group two weeks after both of their losses. And I tried to get my family to go to support group and they wouldn't do it. And so what I learned in the support group, I was able to talk to my mom about, and my mom was able to receive it, but um, the rest of my family wasn't. And so it was this, you know, journey. I really felt like a long time I was journeying alone. My daughter was able to, my daughter was able to talk with us about it too. Wow. But it wasn't until I started Aftershock at the Rock Church 10 years ago that my family, my my mom became my biggest advocate. My daughter was like, oh, isn't it great what my mom's doing? But my brother still, has, to this day, has a hard time talking about suicide. He just cannot talk about it. Hey, Michelle, do you, do you um, and, and I know that we're all wired a little bit differently, and I'm sure that you've tried to sit down and, and, and talk to him about that. Is it just too painful for him to do that? My brother honestly believed he could have saved my brother. He tried oh. to call my brother that day, and he didn't answer the phone. And he, I think he has a lot of regret. Um, you know, when, when somebody dies by suicide, a lot of times we hear people say, um, if only I'd done this. I could have done this. I would have done that. And a lot of times we get fixated on that. And we realize in, in, in support groups, you realize that you did everything you could have. Unless that person said, I'm going to take my life right now, and you were able to sit down and talk with them, you can't force them to get the help they need. And so for my brother, he honestly felt like if he had just picked up the phone, I could have saved him. And, um, and, and that's the guilt that's eaten him up. 100%. And I tried to have that, but I tried to have that conversation with my brother, and he just doesn't want to go there. She is Michelle Madden, and and let me talk a little bit about the purpose of Aftershock and did a little bit of research on it. Aftershock is is there to help families and friends who have lost someone they love to suicide and to cultivate and ensure that the light of Jesus continues to shine through their grief. In Aftershock, they share their grief openly and use God's words to guide them through it. And I just think that's such a powerful paragraph and that I highlighted it all over the place to make sure that I, I, I talked about that because I think, shall you know, I'm, I'm an older guy and, 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 you know, growing up, it was rub some dirt on it. You're fine. Don't worry about it. You know what? But I'm sad. Well, you, well, you don't get sad where, you know, you're a man now, you know, that kind of stuff. And, and it's interesting because I think everybody deals with, with the way they grieve a little bit differently, but, but that, that line of, look, the purpose of Aftershock is to help families and friends who have lost someone they love to suicide and to cultivate and ensure that the light of Jesus continues to shine through their grief, I think is such a powerful sentence that I, you know, whoever wrote that, I, I commend because it really does tell me exactly what you guys are trying to accomplish with Aftershock and, and what a great place if somebody needs to come and openly grieve with other people that have been through it. And that's certainly what a support group uh, should be about. And and I just commend you for, for this. Did you think, uh, Michelle, before we get to a break, 
Do you think that this is the same path you would be on had 2014 been different in your family? No. Um, this is. I tell people all the time, this was not my calling. I was so uncomfortable talking about mental health and suicide. Um, but I knew when, when my brother died that God was going to use it for the good. And I was just along for the ride. Wow. I can't imagine how uncomfortable in the beginning of this journey for you has been. And, and I have to tell you, and I don't know, I, I've just met you, and I, don't, I had no, no idea who Jamie and Chip, but they would be so proud of you to turn this tragedy into something that, that is, is, is so good in helping people. We're going to get to a break again. She is Michelle Madden, and she is a trained chaplain for suicide prevention and support as well. Um, as a gatekeeper trainer for QPR, which is Question, Persuade, and Refer. As we talk with her, you can go to sdrock.com ministry slash suicide loss if you have some interest in some of the things that they do with Aftershock. And if if Michelle is somebody that you feel a need and you're feeling led to, um, to reach out to, aftershock at yahoo.com. And uh, Michelle would be, um, be able to receive your email we are going to get to a break. Other side of the break, I'm going to ask Michelle Madden to please uh, share her testimony with us, and we'll continue to talk. Um, you've heard me talk about the Rock Church in San Diego. Their mission is to save, equip, and send. That has been the heart and soul since day one of the Rock Church, and we look forward to our continued conversation with Michelle Madden. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. More now of Faith in the Zone, discovering people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Brookside Baptist Church. Back with host Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I'm Mike McGivern, again flying solo this week. Our special guest. She is Michelle Madden, and again, I want to thank Mailing Starkey, who just uh, has has really helped me in this show with with people from the Rock Church. And I look forward to one day getting out to San Diego because when I do, I'm going to get to the Rock Church and I'm going to meet some of these people that have just really been open to coming on Faith in the Zone and sharing some some really strong testimony and just information for us here at. Uh, here at uh, Faith in the Zone here in Milwaukee at 12.50 a.m., the fan. Again, the, the mission of the Rock Church is to save, equip, and send has just been the heart and soul since day one of the Rock Church. I need to, um, I made one mistake there that, oh, probably more than one, but one that we caught. Uh, it was not 2014 uh, that Michelle had lost her, her brother and her cousin. It was 2004, so it's uh, 17 years ago um, that that happened. Hey, Michelle, in the second segment of Faith in the Zone, we love to ask people to share their testimony. And it, and it just is the, uh, it's my favorite segment of, of this entire show. So if I could um, ask you to please share your testimony, please. Sure. So, you know, I was one of those people who didn't have a testimony. Well, I'm sure I had a testimony. But up until 17 years ago, I didn't feel like I had a, a testimony. And then when I lost my brother, I immediately got into a support group. And um, I had two friends who had brothers that had struggled with mental health issues. And they gathered around me and they walked me through this. They prayed over me. They would send me scripture. They would send me prayers. The days that I drove from my house to work, and I, not, I kid you not, I drove through three school zones. And I have no idea how I got there other than God drove that car. And um, there would be days I would be crying, and my girlfriend would call up, and she's like, what's going on, pumpkin? And I was like, how did you know I needed somebody to talk to? And so 
you know, I fast forward, I got into, um, got it very involved with church and the Lord had put it on my heart that I needed to start something in, you know, you've been in this support group for eight years. You need to start something in the church. I am not the obedient servant. I'm not something I'm proud of, but um, the Lord had put it on my heart to start something. And I would ask around, do we have something? Do we have, and no, you should check with care and concern. No, you should check with this people. And, and um, so that was about nine months that I drug my feet. And then the, the Lord said to me, um, I, we went to Christmas service. It was, it was one of those years where Christmas and New Year's, there was a, a weekend in, in between. And um, one of our pastors spoke about suicide. And I remember after the service turning to my husband and going, oh, snap. And he goes, what? I go, we got to go down and talk to this guy. And he's like, okay, what are we talking to him about? And I was like, remember I've been saying the Lord wants me to do something in suicide? That's it. And so I went down and I talked to Mickey Stonier and I said, hey, Mickey, uh, does the Rock Church have anything for suicide loss? And he's like, no, but that's a great ministry. You should start it. Oh, me. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not starting it. And I did really try not to start it. I tried to look into grief, you know, maybe we could partner with Grief Share or something. And he kept coming alongside me saying, no, it needs to be specific to suicide loss, and it needs to be. And um, I started going through the chaplaincy classes, and a lot of the chaplaincy, you know, you do this role play or they talk about scenarios, and a lot of the scenarios were always suicides. And I was like, oh, okay. So I started the, I started Aftershock. And um, I tell you, I was nervous as all heck. And my husband said, the night before the ministry was starting, my husband and I had I'd not been sleeping well, and we'd gone for a walk, and he said to me, um, so how do you feel about the ministry? And I'm like, yeah, I'm feeling okay. I said, I had a nightmare last night. And he's like, really? He goes, what was it? I go, the room was packed. <laughs> and there was not enough people, not enough places for people to sit down. And he's like, Really? And I'm like, yeah. And we walked in on the, the next, and I said, the next morning I got up and he said, how did you sleep? And I said, you know, I went to bed last night. It says, Lord, I just really need some sweet sleep tonight. And I slept the best I had slept in like six months. And that night was the night they had the big power outage in San Diego. I don't know if you heard about that. Oh, I have. Like yeah. the whole, yeah, all of California <laughs> shut down. <laughs> And so my husband and I were sitting on the porch laughing because, of course, I'm trying to – my still focus was I needed to get to the Rock Church in case people showed up. And I called um, Mickey's wife, and she said, Michelle, um, the security will turn them away. You don't have to go there. It's safe for you to stay at home. And um, two weeks later, our ministry started, and it was – it started beautifully. We had people – I expected people that would come in – who were new laws. But what we had was we had a lady who had 31 years before that had lost her son. Oh. Um, we had somebody 10 years before had lost. We had all these people who had had many years in between, and they were finally able to come to a place to talk and share about their loved one and how they made it this time through. And, um, and through the years, God has crafted it. And, you know, it's, I, I knew in the very beginning that suicide prevention would always be a key component. And so I had a friend who I would have come out once a quarter or once a, yeah, once a quarter, we would do a um, suicide prevention training. Anybody that wanted to come, we'd put it in the bulletin. And he kept saying to me, Michelle, you know how to do this. Why don't you do this? And I was like, you're so good looking. You're so charismatic at it. And he said, no, you need to start doing it. And so I got trained as a QPR instructor. And QPR is three steps, question, persuade, refer. And it's getting somebody the help. And so um, that's what I do now. I literally gave my job, job up three years ago. I was praying and asking the Lord, please give me a job um, in suicide prevention or suicide loss. And I, I sort of had some stipulations. So, you know, I wanted to leave my job with a golden handshake, and I wanted to do, you know, this job, and it had to be only part time. And and God granted me all those things. 
And so now I work, I work in suicide loss and suicide prevention, <laughs> and I am so happy. Okay. And I, I know it sounds weird, but it's my, when I was just camping this weekend and somebody said to me, um, hey, we just had somebody that lost someone to suicide. I said, send her over to my campsite. I'd be happy to talk to her. Really? And my husband says, yeah. So this so my is... husband's like, yeah, she's not joking. She she really means, she's like, but you're you're on vacation. I'm like, nope, send her over. My husband's like, this was rejuvenates my wife. This is more than the job. This is your life. And you're right. What a great testimony, Michelle Madden. What a great testimony. You know, I, I loved how you started by saying, look, I, I'm, I'm not always the one that, you know, has followed the rules or said, okay, you tell me what to do and I'll <laughs> go ahead and do it. But certainly the the Lord knocked and, and, and sent enough things your way that um, it made a lot of sense. I, I love the, what, what the verse says, which, and, and I can tell you, Psalms 34, 18, the Lord is close mm-hmm. to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And that just jumps off the page to me now that you and I have talked a little bit. And, and I just thank you for the amount of work that you do with this and, and, and how passionate, I mean, you are, you're camping and you're willing to, to, to take out time to, to talk to somebody who is grieving. I, you know, when we were during the break and, and, and I, I asked you a question because again, this is not something that I've had close to within my family, but I know again, a lot of people. And, and I can tell you that for a lot of years, Michelle, I have thought, wow, that's a really selfish move to do that. And when I said that to you during the break, you said, whoa, hold on a second. Let's have that conversation. And and I appreciate you, somebody who certainly is very um, educated and well-versed in this, to say, no, no, I think you're thinking about this wrong. So for somebody that's listening that might still have that mindset that, that I have had for so long, and that is, boy, I think suicide is such a selfish way to just, okay, you know what, I'm going to leave all, all my problems behind for somebody else to pick up. Let's talk about that. I'm, I, yeah, I'm, you believe I'm thinking wrong on that. I do. So um, when somebody's struggling with uh, thinking that suicide's the answer, they think of about a horse who has blinders on, and they can only see the problem. They can't see a solution. And they honestly really don't think about their family. They don't think about anything else. And so um, I, I, can, I can reflect back on my, my cousin, who for 35 years had, had uh, mental health issues. And, um, you know, a lot of times when somebody dies by suicide, somebody says, well, what, it was because. They always think it's one thing. But it's usually many things. And a lot of it has to do around trauma. And so it's how they were taught to, t- to deal with trauma. And for my cousin, he had three major um, risk factors that happened in his life. He had just lost his dad, um, a sudden death. He had lost a sister-in-law who had been murdered by her husband. And then um, he had made a promise to his dad, and he couldn't. Um, he couldn't fulfill that promise. And I really felt like those were the last three straws that broke his back. Because, you know, somebody who's struggling, we think about it as somebody who's in pain. You think about like when you had a toothache and it bugged you and you go to the dentist and you get it fixed, right? Well, what about somebody who has mental health issues and they've tried and they've tried and they've tried and it doesn't get better? When do they stop? Somebody described it to me one time as think about being in a bowl that is greased and you keep climbing that bowl and you keep slipping down and you keep climbing it and slipping down. You know, when do you say enough is enough? And it's that pain that takes, that makes them say, you know what, I'm done. And it breaks my heart. Yeah. Because it leaves, it leaves so many people behind because really what happens is they pass that pain that they were feeling to the family, and we're all broken afterwards. Well, and, and you know what I didn't know, and and uh, again, I want to thank you guys for sending me some information and, and, and talking points, but this one, I, I just, uh, for every suicide death, there are six to ten people who are immediately affected by that death 
Now, each one of those people are at a higher risk for drugs and or alcohol abuse, mental health issues, and suicide. And suicide. So that trickle-down effect to that is incredible. I had no idea. The other thing that I was a little bit uh, taken back by, men are four times more likely to die of suicide, but women attempt three times more. Yes. And I just... Boy, I, I, those numbers kind of like just threw me a little bit, I have to be honest with you. And, and, you know, I think my mindset on the being very selfish is is just a lack of education on my end because it hasn't mm-hmm. been something, Michelle, that, again, that, I that you know, it has been something that has been on the outside of this McGivern house or this McGivern family and... You know, that's been a very easy thing for me to be able to think, well, boy, that's really selfish, and then move on with my life. But there there certainly is a much deeper um, issue, and I love, you know, when you said, look, my uncle's in pain for a really long time, and, and I understand that. Hey, we need to get to a break. Other side of the break, we'll continue our conversation with Michelle Madden, and what a powerful testimony that she had with, with this, and I just think... It's, it's really important that we understand, especially this month, that we get, we get educated, and I will certainly do a better job of, 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 of that myself. But the purpose of Aftershock is to help families and friends who have lost someone they love to suicide and to cultivate and ensure that the light of Jesus continues to shine through their grief. And I'm going to talk to Michelle about utilizing God's words to overcome the pain and guilt and the things that you know, we can learn about forgiveness because that's very important uh, for Aftershock as well. You can, uh, if you're feeling led, you need to send an email to Michelle. It's aftershock at yahoo.com and uh, strock, San Diego rock.com ministry slash suicide loss for more information. Or if you Google Aftershock, uh, there's some information uh, that you can find as well. Again, she is Michelle Madden. She is a trained chaplain for suicide prevention. And uh, we look forward to our continued conversation with her. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Welcome back to Faith in the Zone, an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Bayview Shade and Blind. Here are your hosts, Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Kellner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight. You picked 12 outsiders, nobody would have chosen and you changed the world. Well, welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM. The fan, I am Mike McGivern, and our special guest, boy, she has just really, really been very informative and open to sharing a lot of different things. She is Michelle Madden. And uh, Mental Health Awareness Month uh, right now, and that's the reason we've had Michelle on. And again, I want to thank Mei Ling uh, from the Rock Church in San Diego. Michelle Madden is a trained chaplain, suicide prevention, and as well as a QPR, which is question, persuade, and refer gatekeeper trainer. And that's the part in segment three that I really kind of want to talk a little bit about. I'm interested in in that. And I know that you have gone into schools and churches and women's and men's support groups and foster uh, youth. You've done a lot in that space. Can we talk a little bit about, you know, being a gatekeeper trainer to QPR? So yeah, gate, so QPR is how to ask the question to somebody. Are you are you thinking about suicide? How to persuade them to live? Are you willing to get some help? And then how to make that referral? A lot of times, what happens is people think if I ask that question, I have to know exactly everything to do. Really, what it is is to offer hope to that to that um, person that's struggling. And really, it's just sitting down and have a conversation with them and knowing resources to point them to. I did a, um, I do, I, you know, I go out and I present to anybody. The training is the same across the board. If I do it for a church, if I do it for a men's group, if I do it for youth, it's all the same. Some of the language changes. 
Um, you know, when I, when I do it for a church, you know, I talk, I talk to them about, you know, let's be really careful about trying to tell them all they need to do is pray more or, you know, if you read God's word more. We have to be real cautious on that. I did a, um, a really cool story is I did a track team. I was, I was at an event with a friend of mine one day, and we're sitting at a table, and, you know, hey, how do you know her? How do you know her? And um, the guy says to me, well, what do you do? And he looked at both me and my friend, and my friend looked at me, and she's like, do you want to answer this? And I'm like, absolutely, because when you say word suicide, a lot of times people want to leave. So I said, well, we're in suicide prevention and suicide loss. And the guy said to me, oh, wow, tell me about it. And I started telling him about it. And I said, you know, I go out and I train the warning signs and how to get help for people. And he's, I'm, I'm a track coach at a college. Would you come out and train my team? And I was like, he's like, because I'm worried about two of my students. And I'm like, absolutely. So he made it a mandatory, all, his whole track team had to come. There were 50 guys there. And I did the track, I did the uh, standing up there and I'm doing the presentation. And there's this role play at the very end where they actually do what they were doing or what I just trained them to do. And one of the kids got up and he went over to the coach and he said, hey, coach, can I talk to you? And the coach is like, yeah, what's going on? And he's like, everything she's just said, I have those feelings. And I think I need help. Oh my goodness. She keeps saying I can get help. And so the coaches come up to me and they're like, hey, we got this kid. We're going to walk him over to the health center. It was during spring break. We're going to walk him over to the health center. If nobody's there at the health center, will you work with us? And get? I was like, absolutely. I was like, the rest of my day is to save this man's life. And they were able to get him over. The health services connected him with um, on-campus um, counseling, got him into some mental health things. But it was really cool to see that happen in one of my trainings. Oh, and yeah. I was like, wow. Yeah, that had a just, I would assume when you got home that night and closed your eyes, yeah, I wouldn't, I can't imagine you fell asleep very quickly because that, what a powerful, and, and that came out of kind of the blue, right? Yeah, because because the coach said to me afterwards, and that wasn't even one of the kids we were concerned about. And I said, well, you know, they become such good actors and actresses, you know, that you think they're doing good. But, you know, when they start pulling away from, you know, not wanting to come to practice or talking about life being hopeless, isolating, those are some of the things you'll see. So, we, you know, he was like, we, you know, he just, you know, he just had a different attitude and we just didn't think anything about it. And I'm like, you know, it's okay to ask, hey, what's going on today? You know, and I said, most times they'll tell you. Hey, when, um, so, if you were to talk and, and look during this COVID time and, and I do, a, I work out at a place called nine round where you, you put on boxing gloves and you just punch bags and, and all the, all the, you know, anxiety of the day, you, nobody's calling nine one one and nobody's punching me back, Michelle, which is very important to an old guy like me. And so mm-hmm. you get everything out and there's a woman that I work with and this was probably, I don't know, four or five months into COVID. And she works for a, a mental health facility just around the corner from this nine round place. And I said, hey, how are you doing? She said, boy, I'm busy. I said, are you? She said, yeah, never been busier. I said, what age do you work yeah. with? And she said, seven to 17. And I said, wow. And, and you're busy. She goes, Mike, I, I, I've never, we've got to get these kids back into school. We've got to get them back because we're, we're really, it's going to be a really difficult, if we continue down this route, it's going to be really difficult, I think. And I said, look, I have four grandsons. Can you help me? Is there any tell signs that I should be looking at with these, these boys? And she said, you know, the real basic for, for, for my end, really basic is if you have a grandson that's normally really quiet, never snaps on you, you know, doesn't yell back at you. And all of a sudden he's just yelling at you and he's snapping or if a kid that's snapping on you all the time, but now he's real quiet, that's one. And then eating yeah. habits. Like the, the, for the kid that eats everything in the house, you know, normal, and now doesn't eat much or vice versa, pay special attention and, and please go on go on your sports shows and tell parents and grandparents and aunts and uncles that you have to pay special attention to these young people because it's really much more difficult than maybe they're letting on right now. And during this last, and, and I don't know if we know the numbers 
Um, Michelle, but is 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 suicide on the rise during the last 16 months? Do we have any idea on those numbers? So if you would ask me, I would say yes. I have a friend of mine that tells me no, but I tell you the age group that I see the biggest change in is our youth. Um, because our youth are not equipped to handle their life being shut down. I mean, as adults, we had a difficult time, but can you imagine our kids? No, you can't go play with your friends. No, you can't go out of the house. Um, I saw kids who their parents were had mental health issues, you know, maybe some, maybe a little bit of anxiety, but those kids picked up on that and then they became very anxious. So we're creating a generation who has anxiety and depression just because of what's going on through what they're seeing with their parents. Hey, Michelle, can so, you, yeah. yeah, I, can you, can you give um, me uh, an idea and, and, and again, reading more about aftershock, um, yeah, there's a line there that says we will use God's words to overcome the pain and guilt and learn about forgiveness. Can, can you walk us through, a, a, you know, show like faith in the zone, want to know more about how you utilize God's word when it comes to, to aftershock and some of the, 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 the people that you help there and to learn about forgiveness, I think is really, really important. Um, can you kind of address that for us? Yeah. When, when our people come in, when we're not meeting on Zoom, when we're meeting in person, when they come into our group, um, they, every night there is a bookmark on their chair, and it is a scripture. And that scripture is always something about forgiveness, having grace with yourself. Um, because we, when somebody dies by suicide, we a lot of times are, we, forget, we can't forgive ourselves. We think we should have done something more. And so um, we, we're, I'm always talking about, and I'm always using scripture, but I don't bash them with scripture. You know, when they start saying, well, I just can't make it through this. And I'm like, well, yeah, um, it is difficult to make this through this. But, you know, God is going to walk through this with you, and he's going to give you strength. And, and I'm using scripture with them and letting them know that you're not doing this journey alone. But the big, the scripture that I use the most is he wept. Because, you know, um, when people come into group, especially men, you know, like you were saying, you were taught to, you know, pull up your big boy pants and keep plowing forward. Yes. You know, I was taught, taught the same thing. You know, you know, men don't cry. Yep. And um, so we have men that come into our group or people that anybody that comes into our group and says, well, I can't. I can't forgive myself and I can't mourn and I can't do this because I should have done more. And I was like, wait a minute. Jesus gave us a beautiful example of what mourning looks like. Jesus knew he was going to raise Lazarus. Why did he cry? To tell us it's okay to cry. And so we talk about that because some we have to learn that it's okay to mourn versus beating ourselves up. We always, in, in society... We're taught that we have to look at the negative versus looking at the positive. And so in our group, I am always I do a weekly email to our to everybody in our group, and it always talks about something that's happened in my life. And I turn it to how can you make a positive, you know, and how I made that negative into a positive and teaching them how to do the same thing and giving them scripture about um, focusing in on God's word. And so they are, I had a man the, last week tell me, and he, when he came into our group, was not a believer. I mean, he knew about God, but he didn't walk with God. And he just kept saying, I am a better person now because you spoon fed me. You taught me God's word. You taught me that I could lean on God. It was okay to be it was okay for me to be weak and allow God to be strong. And I said, not me. No, it was all God that did that. And he's like, but you led me there. It's like, not me. That was the Holy Spirit. My, my goodness. She is Michelle Madden. I, you know, reading more about Aftershock, and, and, and this is really, again, what she had just talked about. They, they utilize God's Word to help overcome uh, the pain and guilt and learn about forgiveness 
And another line that, that I read with this is we want them to know that there are others who will encourage them through their grief, teach them to lean on God, and help them turn to God's Word so they know God never lets go of them. It's just so important. We're going to get to a break. We've got a short segment uh, coming up, but we'll continue our conversation with Michelle Madden. Again, she's a trained chaplain for suicide prevention. If you feel a need that you have to reach out to her, and and trust me, you can do this, aftershock at yahoo.com or go to strock.com, San Diego Rock.com, Ministries Suicide Loss, to learn a little bit more about Aftershock. Again, she is Michelle Madden. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. Back to Faith in the Zone, a journey on how people in sports walk in faith. Faith in the Zone is brought to you by Pella Windows and Doors of Wisconsin. Here are hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner, only on 1250 AM, The Fan. Because I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. When Moses had stage fright, and David brought a rock to a sword fight, you picked where oh, Welcome back to Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. I'm Mike McGivern, our, our special guest, Michelle Madden. I can tell you that I learned more during our breaks I, I, she's just so willing um, and and open to answer all these questions that this old Irish boy from Milwaukee has, and I, I'm so thankful um, for her and her willingness to do this. Hey, Michelle, a couple of things that we talked about during the break. One of the things that you you guys really teach and, and talk about is we want to remember somebody who has committed suicide, we want to remember them on how they lived and not how they died, correct? Right. And, and, and I want to stop you right there, is when we're trying to change the stigma on suicide, we want to change our language. We want to use they died by suicide versus committed, because especially in the church setting, um, and not even in the church setting, in, in life, we think of committed has bad, um, you know, they committed a crime, they committed a sin. We don't really look, and so to change stigma, we want to change the language, died by suicide. And so, yes, when somebody dies by suicide, we want to remember how they lived, not defined by how they died. Because even somebody who didn't, if, if I see this in schools a lot, like I will talk with parents and they will say, oh, my, my student knew somebody or somebody in their class died by suicide. And I will say, well, have you talked to them about that? Oh, they didn't know that student. So that student loses their identity. They become the student who died by suicide instead of Jamie who died by suicide. You know, they're no longer a person, they're an object. And so what I do is I send stories about my, my brother to my family, you know, on my brother's anniversary, on his birthday, on just certain days. I, if I see something that reminds me of him, I will say, hey, I was thinking about your dad today. And I will share why I was thinking about them. And so it's important for that. And it's important to share their name. Right. You know, for families who've lost someone, the parents want to, and brothers and siblings and wives want to, and spouses want to hear their, their loved one's name. Well, Tay, I, you know, um, I haven't been in a classroom in a long time because I'm an old guy, but this was a, this was pure education hour for me. Died by suicide, not committed suicide. How right. they lived, very, very important. And and I just, you know, as we talked about the verse in, in Psalm 34, 18, the Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit, I think is like the perfect verse, uh, Michelle, for, for you and for Aftershock. I can't thank you enough um, for your time today and your willingness to just come on Faith in the Zone and Look, I know there's going to be a number of people that are listening to this show that that have been touched um, by this, and and there's going to be some sadness to some people listening to the show. But I think it's really important to understand 
that there are people out there that can help and there there are support groups that can help and and aftershock that uh is is in San Diego but I know that there 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 are support groups in this area as well but I, I just love their mission and they're going to use God's word to overcome the pain the guilt and learn more about forgiveness Michelle Madden thank you so much I really appreciate it and and please let Mayling know that I thank her as well. If you want to get get a hold of Michelle, it's aftershock at yahoo.com, sdrock.com, slash ministry, slash suicide loss. Uh, Michelle, thanks a lot, and have a great day. All right, can I add one more thing? Yes. Uh-huh. So if anybody is struggling, I just ask that you reach out and reach out for help. And there's a national hotline, and it's 800-273-85, I'm sorry, eight. Two five five. It's 800-273-TALK, T-A-L-K. Perfect. 8-255. Yep, 800-273. And it's okay to get help. Yeah, and it's okay to ask for help because, again, you know, yeah. that that's, that's such a big part of this. Again, she is Michelle Madden. Thank you so much. This is Faith in the Zone on 1250 AM, The Fan. You've been listening to Faith in the Zone with hosts Mike McGivern and Pastor Ken Keltner. You can hear Faith in the Zone every Sunday at 8 a.m. and 8 p.m. To find past shows, exclusive podcasts, or to contribute with an inside tip on a guest, simply go to faithinthezone.com. Faith in the Zone is an inside look at people in sports and their walk in faith. Join us again next Sunday for Faith in the Zone, right here on 1250 a.m., the fan. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody all about somebody who saved my soul. Ever since you rescued me, you gave my heart a song to sing. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. I'm living for the world to see nobody but Jesus. When Moses had stage fright And David brought a rock to a sword fight You picked 12 outsiders Nobody would have chosen And you changed the world Well, the moral of the story is Everybody's got a purpose This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance Whether you love true crime or comedy Celebrity interviews or news You call the shots on what's in your podcast queue And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.